and this is uh, actually already on the media that uh, the new government will segregate the hospitals and also the educational institutions by sex. But there are too many concerns and queries also that we need to uh, consider and see that uh, uh, we need to ask them that would it be an efficient way to segregate? Do we have uh, the enough resources? Welcome to the BMJ podcast. I'm Doug Jarvis, multimedia editor for the BMJ. Last week, we heard about Afghanistan. It's out of the headlines now, but the situation for people of the country is still very much in flux. There's a new government in power, and as we heard last week, it's a government without much experience of actually governing. The infrastructure of Afghanistan healthcare is provided by lots of agencies, many of them international agencies, who are now in the process of withdrawing from the country, undermining that basic structure of healthcare. At the same time, if you cast your mind back to the scenes of people trying to leave the country, that will include many of those who've worked closely with those international agencies, many of them healthcare staff. For those who remain, the money to pay their wages looks like that may dry up too. Again, reducing that human capacity to provide care as staff have to turn elsewhere to survive. It's still a grim picture. And to find out more, I wanted to talk to someone from Afghanistan who really understands the pressure on those in the workforce. So in this podcast, We're going to hear from the president of the Afghanistan Midwifery and Nurses Council, the body which governs that part of healthcare in the country. Uh, I am Wais Mohammad Farani. Currently, uh, I am representing the Afghanistan uh, Nurses and Midwives Council as a president in the country. And uh, also, uh, actually, this is uh, a voluntary position, so honorary position. And uh, meanwhile, I'm also the nursing director for a private hospital here in Kabul. Uh, that is the French Medical Institute for Mothers and Children. Uh, I have done my uh, Bachelor of Science in Nursing and also Master of Science in Nursing from the Al Khan University in Karachi, Pakistan in 2009 and 15, uh, respectively. There's been this very swift change in the government in Afghanistan, and that's potentially going to cause huge disruption to things like healthcare provision. So for a start, how is that currently holding up? What are your main priorities and perhaps concerns at the moment? Uh, Thank you. Uh, I think uh, uh, let me focus uh, on a couple of uh, Uh, of the areas uh, in this regard. Uh, In regard to the uh, service delivery during the last uh, two decades, more than 3,500 healthcare facilities were established mainly at the primary care level. And the basic package of health services probably uh, this is a very new uh, strategy for the uh, healthcare in Afghanistan and also the essential package of health services, uh, which we call it BPHS and EPHS. Uh, 
the community midwifery program, the CME we call it, and the community health nursing education program are all examples that led to better health among Afghan population in the past during last uh, uh, 20 years. Particularly, these interventions have uh, immensely improved maternal and child health, where the maternity mortality was reduced from 1,600 uh, in 2002 to 327 uh, per 100,000 uh, live births in 2010. So this was a big achievement for the country. This is despite that healthcare is still not accessible to all, especially for those living in a very remote and hard-to-reach areas of the country. Almost all of these interventions and health facilities, which I have just highlighted, were recently contracted out to the NGOs and other implementers. They were all donor-dependent. Imagine, and this is unfortunately the reality, that the donors have already stopped financing these interventions. And all these services are at a great risk of collapse. The collapse of these facilities will definitely negatively affect all the achievements which we had during the last uh, 20 years in, in the area of RMNCH nutrition, vaccination, and many other components of basic health. We are really concerned about the future of health system in Afghanistan, considering the current situation. We are also concerned even about the private sector. The health facilities run by the private sector are clustered mainly in major cities and urban areas, which is again not accessible to all. Even these days, some of the facilities have stopped their operations due to fact that the supplies are not available in local market and they don't have access to the cash due to recent rules imposed by the new government. Besides all these political and economical turmoil in the country, the surge of COVID-19 is another issue. The fourth wave will further make the situation worse, and we are, we have just, uh, we are uh, struggling with the fourth wave. Before, I think, before we witness a disaster, we call upon the international agencies to come up with the strategies to maintain the previous gains. These strategies, what I personally feel, could include mobilization of civil society until the government uh, structure is uh, formed or maybe if they, ha they are creating any new rules. You talked there a little bit about care facilities, um, the clinics that have been set up. But there are also other structures around healthcare, a bit like um, the council that you're working for, and that has been a fairly recent uh, introduction. I believe it was um, established in 2018. Um, so I wonder about that. Do you have a sense of how all of these structures are going to stay the same or perhaps change um, under, under the new Taliban government? Uh, thank you. Uh, I think uh, right now the structures are running, especially the Afghanistan Midwives and Nurses Council that is uh, established uh, very recently in 2020. In December, it was formally uh, 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 inaugurated. Uh, we have started our work and uh, currently it is functioning. We are uh, uh, in the process of uh, operationalizing all the strategies which we are having for the regulation of nursing and midwifery council. 
But the situation is somehow uncertain because we are not uh, clear uh, what will happen and what uh, new rules uh, will, uh, will be imposed or will be coming in the coming uh, days or weeks. Uh, so I think uh, uh, we as a, uh, as a new structure, we as a, as a body that regulates the uh, nursing and midwifery profession, we have to go and advocate for the roles we are playing in the health sector, and we have to clarify the importance of these uh, uh, responsibilities which is carried by uh, such structures. So this is not only the Nursing and Midwifery Council, but also the Medical Council, and also we have the uh, Nursing Association, and we also have the Midwifery Association, which are playing the advocacy role for these professions. So. Uh, I think uh, uh, as the time is uh, coming, uh, we things will get uh, more clearer to us, and uh, uh, and we have to take uh, uh, take the actions and uh, uh, see uh, how to move forward. Now, one thing we've heard um, worry about is the brain drain, the number of educated people who are leaving Afghanistan. Is that a concern that that you have? Uh, well, I think in regard to the uh, people, uh, trained people living the country, uh, this is uh, unfortunately a big issue, a big challenge, and a big concern for the entire country. Uh, you are well aware that over 120,000 people have already left the country, and many, many others, thousands of others are waiting for the international flights uh, to start and the borders to open. They are planning to leave the country too. Who they are actually, they are those who have been trained in different disciplines and different capacities and they are those who are economically in a better status. So there is unfortunately a brain drain and also there is money drain too. During the last two decades, thousands of healthcare professionals were trained and their capacity was developed to address the country's need at different levels. Thousands of female nurses and midwives are trained to the community midwifery education program and community nursing education program. To improve access to basic health care, these nurses and midwives were recruited from the community, and, the, and this was the good point of this program, that these were recruited from the community, they were trained, and they were deployed back in the same community, which was a great success in improving women and child health. Unfortunately, we are certain, uncertain and also concerned about these achievements should not be lost. I think they should not be lost. These, these were the big achievements. And at the same time, we, we also call upon UN agencies, donors, and goodwill people to continue their humanitarian assistance to, to sustain these successes. And that program, that kind of educational program that you're talking about there, um, I suppose that could potentially replace some of the staff who, who might be leaving the country. Um, do you have any idea about how that or perhaps, you know, other medical education um, will continue under, under this new government? Uh, thank you. I think uh, the other programs which we have in the country for the nurses and midwives, that is uh, within the uh, structure of the Ministry of uh, Public Health, uh, uh, which is uh, the Ghazan Far Institute of Health Sciences. We have uh, these programs in nine provinces, including Kabul, 
And we also have uh, programs under the Ministry of Higher Education, uh, both for nurses and midwives, but uh, limited in number. Uh, yes, definitely, with the new uh, rules which will be imposed, uh, which is uh, which is again uh, not so clear, uh, that that may also be affected because uh, the government is also talking about the uh, uh, segregation of uh, male and female students, and they are also talking about the changes in the uh, curriculum. So we are uh, really not sure what will happen next, but uh, at the moment uh, we can see that uh, uh, that may affect, but uh, not uh, so much because uh, uh, the midwifery profession that is clear in our country, that is all uh, female uh, oriented and all the midwives are female. But in nursing, uh, yes, the number of students are huge, even if they will be segregated, it's okay. There is a possibility to be in two classrooms. But again, the resources which, uh, which will be required in terms of um, faculty and those resources, that will be a challenge. Uh, but uh, as the time will go, uh, things will get clear that what will be the new rules. Talking about segregation of sexes, when the Taliban were last in power, that segregation happened at a at a whole hospital level, and I believe there were some impacts there on things like maternal outcomes. Do we know if that's going to to happen again? Uh, yeah, in most of the cases in our culture, male patients uh, they prefer to be cared by the male, and female patients <clears throat> they prefer to be. Uh, cared by the female healthcare workers. This means that we need both male and female uh, healthcare professionals. This is uh, one side uh, of the uh, issue. The second uh, uh, area is that uh, currently, uh, almost uh, in most of the areas, in most of the hospitals, the male and female uh, wards are different. Uh, uh, in most of the cases, yes, there are very few cases, few areas that male and female are being cared in the same room. But in most of the cases, they are already segregated. Uh, the uh, the patients are the female patients are uh, in one unit and the male patients are in another unit. And this is actually the culture that it is happening uh, right now. But still, uh, there might be very few and limited areas that uh, where the patients might be uh, cared mixed. So in regard to segregation of male and female, I would only say that, uh, uh, and this is uh, actually already on the media, that uh, the new government will segregate the hospitals and also the educational institutions by sex. But there are too many concerns and queries also that we need to uh, consider and see that uh, uh, we need to ask them that would it be an efficient way to segregate? Do we have uh, the enough resources? Our uh, healthcare facilities are already donor dependent, even with the existing uh, way which we are going. For the segregation, we will need to double the resources in most of the cases. When I say the resources, that includes the infrastructure, human capacity, medical equipment, supplies, and many other things. So uh, is that feasible, I think? No. So do we have the required resources for that? I personally say uh, no. So if this will be enforced, we will again need to uh, close many of the healthcare services which we are currently providing. 
so uh, let's see again uh, things are not so clear for the time being but uh, uh, maybe in the future uh, we will further comment on this we've been talking about now and we've been talking about some potential point in the future um but between that obviously there's the midterm how do you what do you feel needs to be done to prop up Afghanistan's healthcare to get it from from where we are now to whatever the the future might hold um where it's more established under under the new government uh well i think uh, in the interim period uh, uh, this is actually the critical area uh, this is uh, uh, this is the time that uh, uh, we uh, uh, it, it tell us whether uh, the the systems will survive or it will collapse. So this is uh, a critical uh, area that we need to consider. Number one, uh, I think uh, the donor agencies, uh, the goodwill people, uh, if if they think that uh, they are not directly uh, engaging with the government, I think there are civil society organizations and other uh, NGOs, maybe uh, directly to the uh, to them they can continue the support and assistance uh, until the uh, government structures are uh, formed or the government uh, uh, accepts the international uh, rules and requirements uh, <clears throat> this is actually one of the uh, 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 important area that uh, we need to look uh, number two, uh, unfortunately, currently the the banking services uh, uh, is not uh, in good shape, and uh, uh, even we are uh, feeling and thinking that probably as the time will go, the uh, private sector may also collapse because the resources or the supplies are not available in local market to uh, provide the services. And secondly, uh, cash is an issue for the private uh, sector as well. So I think the bank, the banking service has to be uh, normalized as soon as possible, as quickly uh, as possible. And uh, and also in midterm uh, or maybe from now, uh, the civil society, the uh, ministries, the uh, advocates need to be uh, uh, engaged with the government and advocate for gender considerations. That, uh, and that has to be an integral uh, part of the healthcare. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. It's like you say. It's not just thinking about healthcare as a as a healthcare system, but those broader determinants of health that will be really important to um, Afghanistan in the future. Mr. Harani, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to me on the podcast today. Thank you. You've been listening to Weiss Mohammed Harani talking about healthcare in Afghanistan. That's it for this episode, but we'll be back next week with some more well-being. And soon after that, we'll have another episode of Talk Evidence. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening. <laughs>